Matt, thank you for that. I've never heard that story. And uh, Christianity does rub off on you. Somehow or another, it just happens to do that. Thank you for each one being here this morning. We appreciate you being here. Uh, a lot of us, many of us are gone. Uh, Lloyd and his family are in California as we speak and getting ready for two weeks of youth camp. And uh, uh, we're missing them, but we have some other people here this morning. Royal and Judy and Don Teresa. We appreciate them being with us today. In fact, uh, Royal and Judy have two kids. Then Whitman Boy. So they're kind of missing out too, I think. I don't know, maybe you're enjoying this. Yeah, you are. All right. That's okay. <coughs> awesome. All right. Let's worship God and Rachel here today. The title of this sermon the church in Antioch. Now, why do I use this particular church? Well, if you look at a map of Israel, in the center will be kind of Jerusalem, and north of there will be Antioch. In the early church, after the day of Pentecost, persecution broke out against the church. And, uh, uh, Stephen was the first man to be martyred. And because of Stephen and those killing of him, persecution broke out against the church. And the Jerusalem church went from at least 7,000 people down to 12. All, the, all everybody scattered. Only the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Well, as they went out, though, they started preaching and teaching. Well, some came to the church of Antioch, preached the word of God there, and Antioch became the evangelistic center of the world at that time. Later on, we see where Paul and Barnabas were sent out from the church of Antioch. They sent them out from there. And Antioch became the evangelistic center of the world. Well, let's read here a little bit in Acts chapter 11, starting there in verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection to Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews alone. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, a large number who believed turned to the Lord. I like that. What did they do? To be an effective church, how did they get the work done in saving the lost people? We want to talk about that today and compare that to us. All of us right here today, the Church of Public, and, and how we need to improve what needs to happen. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you for this privilege. Open up every heart today, right here, right now. Please, God, to hear your message. 
how we as individuals become instruments, how we as collectively can become the instruments you use to win people to you. God help us to happen today. In Jesus' name. Let's talk about how the church in Antioch became God's tool. Number one, the preaching of the Lord Jesus. Some of the followers of Cyprus Cyrene went to Antioch, started telling the Gentiles the good news about Jesus. And what happened then? Well, they brought the good news of Jesus and became Christian. They were converted. That same thing happened several other times. Acts 8, verse 35. Philip. Got in the chariot with this guy from Ethiopia. And uh, and, was, and reading the book of Isaiah. And, and it says there, and Philip started this writing, gave to him the good news about Christ as a result. You know what happened? They ran along the chariot, and the guy says, Hey, here's some water. What hinders me to be baptized? Acts chapter 5. Philip went down to Samaria and was teaching them about Christ. And verse 12 says, many women alike were being baptized. Acts 16.32 Paul and Silas were in jail. They were released. And everyone else, uh, and then Paul and Silas, verse 32, told him and he, all of his household about the Lord. And as well, he and all his whole family were baptized into Christ. Whatever it was, and produce the same result. People becoming Christian. The preaching of Christ. The church in Antioch did this not as a side ministry, but, but the ministry. That was their purpose. It's kind of interesting this morning when we asked the question in our discussion groups uh, about the church at Loveland. What would, and I listed several things there. And the consensus among all of us was we are there, we care for people. We love people. At least in my group it was. I was hoping for the last one. Evangelism. Well, hey, when you care for people, what is that doing? Evangelizing. Worked out good. The church in Antioch, though, preached the word and people get Christian, becoming Christians and getting converted. Uh, oh, what was it about the preaching, the proclaiming, speaking about Christ? Why was it producing Christians? Conversion. Mark 16, 15, and 16. Then he told them, go and preach the good news to everyone in the world. Anyone who believes me at that time will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe me will be condemned. Luke 24, 47. And the teaching about the change of heart and forgiveness of sins is to be given to Jerusalem first and all nations in his name. And how much like Corinthians 7, verse 10? For the sorrow which God gives is the cause of salvation through a change of heart in which there is no reason for grief. For the sorrow of the world is the cause of death. Now, we talked about this earlier. Sorrow is two kinds. There's a kind that the Lord brings upon us. 
that leads to salvation. And it does not lead to grief. It ends up in salvation. There's another kind of the world that brings sorrow, and the Bible says brings death. Let me put it this way. I got caught. I'm not going to change anything, but I got caught. I'll just be smarter next time. That's not what we're talking about here today. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. The sorrow that Christ brings results in you and me saying, I have got to change. I've got to change the things in my life. I preached with my name of Henry Morehouse preached one evening on the love of God. In that meeting was a rough wicked coal miner who had a vile temper. And when he was drunk, he would beat his wife and children. His, his name was Ike Miller. The preacher was told that Ike would be there and many were praying for his conversion. Now, Henry Morehouse was a famous preacher and he preached his heart out with an old male. When the meeting was over, Ike went straight out and disappeared. Henry had failed to convert the town's worst sinner. What they did not know, though, was that Ike Miller went straight home. He kissed his wife. He gathered his children in his arms tenderly, which he had not done in years. And he saw it. While praying a prayer his mother had taught him, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child, pity my simplicity, allow me to come to you. That's what I did. What about you and me? Has there been a change in your life? Are, are you kind of of being cut? Is that fear like that? Are you hiding a sin? Well, for example, maybe they're just a secret dislike for someone else. Well, you know, we can hide that thing pretty easily. But let me say it this way. There's a lot more murdering going on than is being caught. Let me say that again. There's a lot more murdering going on than, than is being caught. 1 John 3.15. Look what it says. Anyone who has hate for his brother is a taker of life. And you may be certain that no taker of life has eternal life in him. A taker of life? Another way of saying murder. Some uh, Well, I really don't hate them. I just dislike them. I just... Um, uh, you know, if I see him come down the street, I'll, I'll cross over the other side and go down this side of the street. So I'll have to face him. When I meet him at the door I, at, at church, I, I don't want to have to shake their hand. I don't even want to say it. 
How about uh, how about an addiction to nicotine or alcohol or any other kind of drug? First Corinthians three sixteen talks about that. And Seventeen. How about a heart that's bent on pornography? In Matthew five eight, blessed is a pure heart, they shall see God. Or here's another one. A mind set on money and what it can do. First Timothy six ten says it this way: The love of money is the root of all evil, and some whose hearts are were fixed on it have been turned away from the faith. Here's the last part: and been wounded with unnumbered sorrows. A lot of us in America get caught up in this stuff. What money can buy, what money can do, where it puts me in my status, and I'm going to live for that. But you take on, uh, King James Version says, the arrows of sorrow. Well, yeah, I, I may have that problem, but how, how do I keep from getting into that? Now, let me give you one answer. How, how, how do I keep from getting uh, money becoming my number one God? Give it away. What? Yeah. Try giving it. You know what happens then? You see the joy. I'm giving that away does for other people. Your heart turns from me and mine to what others need. Well, has there been a change in your life? Maybe there needs to be another one today. Why not do just like I did? Just simply quietly change the way of life. Just change it. Start doing things differently. Preaching Jesus involves all this, and the church, church of Antioch did this. Number two, verse 21, the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a large number who believed turned to God, turned to the Lord. The church of Antioch preached the Lord Jesus, and a number of people became Christians. Then when Lord's hand is on us, well, what was that? What happens? Well, in Luke 166, talks about John the Baptist being born, and then and the Lord and the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. Because you know what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 11? No one greater than John the Baptist. No one born greater than John the Baptist. Definitely the hand of the Lord was upon him. When the hand of the Lord is upon either an individual or a church, friend, let me tell you something. It's a, I'm not using this right, English people. It's a happening place. That makes sense? Things happen. It's a happening place. Victories are won. Sins are conquered. Uh, we're overcoming habits. And God's moving in our lives. Wow, what a feeling. What a confidence and joy. Even when bad things happen. Yeah. Even when bad things happen, there's still a joy there. 
17 says, God's kingdom isn't about eating and drinking. Sometimes it is. We have a lot of good fellowship dinners around here. It's about pleasing God, about living in peace. It's about true happiness. All this comes from the Holy Spirit. There's a story about an army officer caught in a dangerous situation and threatened to wipe out his whole unit. Turning to his men, he said, You, you, and you, sit here and panic. The rest of you, come with me. Well, that's not the way it is with Christianity. The hand of the Lord is on us. Things are different. There becomes a purpose for living. Finding my place where I feel useful and needed. I'm not just a number. I love to get up in the mornings and face a new day. What? When the hand of the Lord is on us, we wake up almost every morning with joy in our heart. And, and, and we get a new day. Now I want you to be honest with me. How many of you wake up every morning Anxious to face a new day. I can't raise my hand either. How about just some of the days? And can we? I can somewhat raise my hand, alright? Well, what does it say here? Um, true joy, peace, and the hearts being. Knowing we're doing what's right before God. Truth, joy, and life is number one, being used for a purpose bigger than you. Did you hear that? Being used in a purpose bigger than me and mine. And it's just to further my interest, my joys, what I desire, or what my family desires, then I. We're pretty small, friend, I'm telling you. But when we engage something bigger than us, and I'll tell you something bigger than us, God's work. Can't get any bigger than that. Being used for purpose of a purpose bigger than me. Number two, a true joy in life is being thoroughly worn out before you go home. You hear what he said? Now, in our group, I, I was a senior citizen, I know I was. Uh, everybody else didn't use that one. They chose another one. But that was mine, my place in life. I want to be totally worn out before I go home. Another way to put it, I told my group this this morning, too, that uh, being totally worn out before you were thrown on the old scrap pile. <laughs> That's what I used to think back then. Years ago, I used to think that. But not now, because I'm living it now. 
going home is a better picture to me. Number three, being an influence on others by being a servant. Being an influence on others by being a servant. Now, here's the opposite of these three things. Instead of a feverish, selfish, little clod of ailments and grievances complaining what the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Why do people that way? You need to serve me. You need to make me happy. Says who? Well, that's a miserable life to live. It is not true happiness. When the hand of the Lord is upon us, things happen to us and those around us. Let me boil this down. Years ago, John Hopkins' professor gave a group of graduate students an assignment. He said, go to the slums, take 200 boys between the ages of 12 and 16, and investigate their background and environment, then predict their chances for the future. This students, after consulting social statistics, that word, facts, <laughs> talking to boys, compiling such data, concluded 90% of the boys we spent some time in jail. Twenty-five years later, another group of graduate students were given a job of testing that prediction. Though they went back to the same area, some of the boys by then were well, they were all men, were still there. A few had died, some had moved away, but they got in touch of 180 of the original 200. They found out that only four. And that group never spent time in jail. What? What happened? What, what, what was it with these men who had lived in a breeding place for crime, had such surprising good record? The researchers continually were told, well, there was, there was a teacher. They pressed further and found that 75% of the cases it was the same woman. The researchers went to this teacher, now living at home for retired teachers, and asked, God, how did you do this? How did you influence these men to have this happen? Could you give a reason for these boys to should have remembered her? She answered, no, not really, I couldn't. And then thinking back, she smiled her face said lightly, well, I love those boys. Influence. I love those boys. When the hand of the Lord is upon them, God loves many turn to the Lord. You understand why? Yes, the doctrine needs to be true to the Word, the word of God, but more so the spirit and the heart of the Word. As a person, as a church, Lord's hand will be upon us if we obey Him willingly. 1 Peter 3.12 The Lord watches over everyone who obeys Him, and He listens to their prayers when He opposes everyone who does evil. And you know, it's regrettable. I don't even like to mention this verse, but it's true. Matthew 15.8 
all of you praise me with your words, but you never really think about me. I'm going to sing Timothy 3 5. Even though they make a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. Don't have anything to do with such people. I'm not writing down other tricks. There's good going on there. But if it's a show, religion,
to get rid of ourselves and to to think about others is not an easy thing to do. But the great thing is that we've got you behind us. We've got our fellow brothers and sisters behind us to help us do this. And I just pray that this week and moving forward that we would focus on that, God, that we would change our minds, that we would change our hearts, put you in the center of it. God, thank you for allowing us to be here today. God, I just pray that you would be with us as we go our separate ways this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.